0: Despite Sunday's stinker, the Braves start the second half off pretty strong.
1: I apologize for not being perfect. We won another series, and and this one wasn't pretty.
0: Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black. Our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, is off today. He is heading to Philadelphia, but we do have two of our former beat reporters sitting in. Gabe Burns, our features writer, and our sports business journalist, Tim Tucker, and Sunday didn't go so well, but the Braves grab another series after the All-Star break, Gabe.
2: Yeah, uh, you know what, two wins, and we'll see how the Mets do on Sunday night, but they gained two games in two days to start the second half, and, you know, you you have to you just have to win the series, and, you know, Sunday was an ugly finish, but they took two out of three from a obviously a pretty
0: bad team. We are recording this on Sunday evening ahead of the Mets game against the Padres, but coming up, we will dig into what we saw against the Angels, the MVP chances for Austin Riley How the injury to Adam Duvall changes things, plus what's wrong with Acuna and Anderson will also wrap up the All-Star game and what to watch for after the draft. The Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. As a first, we'll lead off with a little bit of breaking news we had after the game on Sunday, the uh, injury to Adam Duvall's left wrist, which is going to end his season. Uh, Gabe, how are they going to handle that in the short term? And how does that change uh, things for the August 2nd trade deadline?
2: Yeah, you know, it happens, you know, they get this news uh, nine days before the trade deadline. So they do have time to react here. Uh, It's a loss, you know, Duvall was playing better, obviously a really tough start to his season. So it's, it's certainly a loss. They have time to kind of regroup and see, you know, do they need a, another right-handed hitting uh, outfielder? I, I think, you know, people are going to bring up Jock Peterson, who, you know, it seems the Giants are, you know, well in the wild-card hunt, so I, I'm not sure that they're going to be selling. But people are going to start bringing up names. I definitely think it would behoove them to explore the outfield market at this point, and we'll get more into starting pitching later. So... While I think that this team certainly has a case as the most well-rounded roster in the National League, there's also a couple of really pivotal areas where we could see them upgrade. We know that they're going to do something, uh, and now I think the Duvall injury uh, adds clarity. I, I would, you know, I would kind of expect them to add an outfielder at this point.
4: Tim, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, outfielders, at least based on what happened at the trade deadline last year, weren't that hard to add and didn't give up much. Now, whether the market will be anywhere like that this year, whether there'll be expiring guys that they like, guys on expiring contracts that they like, that other teams aren't bidding up the price for, who knows about all that. But um, but yeah, I think a, a right-handed hitting outfielder probably uh, is definitely something they'll be looking to add. And I was, it also just occurs to me how fortunate they are that Michael Harris came up and as plate as he has because the outfield would be really thin right now otherwise.
0: Or, Gabe, they could just trade for Otani and settle all the trouble.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, you know, someone on MLB Network threw that idea out, and all of a sudden – you know, I was on vacation when, uh, when that popped, and I, I didn't check social media much. And I saw all that was going, I'm like, what in the world? I got a couple texts from friends and family about it. I'm like, what, what
0: is going on here? Like, I, I mean, I, I, would, uh, <laughs> I, I would not bet on that. Well, Tim, you've seen quite a bit in, in your decades here at the AJC. What did you think of uh, the Otani experience in his first time through Atlanta?
4: Well, I'm glad he finally got to play here for starters, and I'm glad that the uh, MLB scheduling format is changing next year so that you'll see uh, teams in the American League at least every couple of years. I mean, it's, it's quite a show. I mean, it's just um, it's remarkable when you look at the kind of player he is, both as a hitter and a, and a pitcher. I mean, he's probably going to win the MVP for this, again this year, probably get undoubtedly get some Cy Young votes. Uh, and, you know, Friday night until, what was it, the seventh inning when the Braves erupted? Uh, I mean, he looked just dominant on the mound.
0: Gabe, what was it like uh, following him around at the All-Star game?
2: Yeah, you know, I was in Denver last year for the All-Star game. Uh, I was in LA this year, and Otani was the most popular guy there both years. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. I uh, also uh, went to an Angels game out there that uh, he was pitching in uh, just for fun. Yeah, I attend baseball games on vacation. Uh, <laughs> can't help myself. Uh, but, you know, it was awesome to see. It's, it's awesome to see the reaction he gets from fans and the crowd. I mean, he is really – the way that the media covers him, uh, media from Japan is obviously here covering him, the way fans flock to him, I, I mean, it is like – I mean, we're, it's like the Beatles or something. I mean, it is really cool to see. He's certainly the mo, the biggest star, really, in baseball right now. It's, it's a shame that the Angels can't get it together. Uh, we keep hammering this home about Trout and Otani, but it really is unfortunate that that franchise can't get it together enough that we can see these guys in the playoffs. But, you know, Otani's a free agent after next year, and – it was already a popular topic at the All-Star game. Would the angels talk about trading him in the offseason? Uh, is he going to leave? He really likes it in the Southern California area. So naturally people talk about the Dodgers. Uh, it, it, he's just everything around him is it's just interesting conversation, and I, I certainly think it's good for baseball and it would be even better for baseball if uh, if he was competing in October.
0: Let's oh, shift it over to the Braves a little bit. Otani is the MVP, of course, in the American League. Now, what are the chances that Austin Riley will be the MVP in the National League?
1: Absolutely. He's playing on, you know, playing on a team, you know, a good team, then and how he's a big what an MVP is, um, and I, I absolutely would.
0: That's Brian Snicker on the development of his third baseman game. This is just an otherworldly tear that he's on right now. Sixteen-game hitting streak and leading pretty much in every category during this 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 hot streak I'll give Mark Bowman the credit for this observation remember when it was a two-horse race between Riley and Camarco a few years ago
2: yeah it's pretty hard to believe that was an actual conversation and a debate at one point point. and you know I even uh, at the all-star game I talked with Austin about when he came up remember he was playing left field because Josh Donaldson who's a friend of his they have the same representation uh, was playing third and as we remember, Josh Donaldson was a really, really nice one-year signing for this franchise. So you know, Riley comes up. He was scorching hot at first. You know, he kind of hit a lull there, and look at what he's become now. He's become a more complete, you know, disciplined hitter than I think anyone really could have imagined. He's a uh, he's second in the NL in home runs. It's a shame he wasn't in the home run derby. Uh, hopefully, eventually, he's going to compete in one of those things because that'd be pretty fun to see. Uh, I thought he deserved more MVP consideration last year, too, and he got it, but I do feel like it was, you know, he was a bit underrated in that conversation, and this year I kind of feel the same way. This is his second year of doing this. You know, uh, Freddie Freeman told me at the All-Star game he thinks that Austin's going to be a perennial All-Star. At this point, I tend to agree. And third base is a loaded position. You have Machado, Arenado, uh, Jose Ramirez in the al you have a lot of guys and i think i think riley is right there with them so that's a credit to him It's a credit to his work ethic uh he's a fun player to watch he's 25 years old uh so he's going to be here a while he's going to be a pivotal part of this lineup and i mean the Braves should be thrilled again because they have such a young core they've already won a world series and as they continue this kind of latest great era of franchise history austin riley's going to be a huge part of it
0: tim who's the comp now for riley
4: you know when he um Uh, as of a year ago or two years ago, probably the best cop and the one you often heard was uh, Troy Gloss, uh, right-handed hitter, had a lot of power. Um, And that, uh, I think most Braves fans now would probably think that's understated, although, you know, he was a heck of a player. I mean, he had, uh, I think, five seasons with 30 or 40 home runs uh, in the 30s or the 40s, uh, four-time all-star. So that's not a bad comp still, but I think probably what's more interesting now, comp wise, is just how um, Riley has kind of caught up to Machado and Arenado, or at least gotten in the same vicinity. But you look at those three guys offensively right now, and there's there's you know their batting averages are are very close together. Uh, Riley has a higher OPS than either the other two, obviously more home runs than either the other two. So I mean that's you know that's just quite a Quite a compliment uh, of what he's done that he is in a in a league with two great third basemen like that. He's put himself in the same conversation virtually.
0: So Riley's the Braves' hottest player now. Let's dig into maybe their coldest. That's of course Rod Acuna. Last two weeks, Acuna sitting below 150. Last month, it's 216 with one homer. And the the simple question is, what's wrong with the Braves' most talented player? Well. Justin Toscano did talk to Ronald and the team's interpreter yesterday.
1: Is there something that you're doing or something you see in yourself that gives you confidence that that's going to turn around? I, honestly, I think it's just baseball and, it,
0: you know, it's uh, this, the first half is over, the second half's about to begin, and it's not about how you start,
1: it's how you finish. In your career, how have you learned to kind of stay through those, maybe those slumps to, to when you get hotter? Just keep working
0: hard hard, because that's going to happen, right? And that's the only way you can get through is just to keep focused and keep pursuing through it in 2018, you know, for example, in the first half of the season I hit eight homers, the second half I hit 20, so. Justin also got some some pretty good perspective from Braves third base coach Ron Washington.
5: As a a baseball guy, what do you see from Acuna right now? Searching. He lost his ability. He just searched. You know what I'm saying? He's not used to failing. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So everybody in the game of baseball will have to go through that at some point. The good ones go through it one time. The bad ones keep repeating it. See what I'm saying? He's a good one. He'll figure it out. And he might have to fight this whole year to figure it out. I'm not saying it's going to happen like that. But if he do, he will be smarter for it coming back the next year. We all go through it,
1: right.
5: and he missed a lot of baseball, and he's young, and he's been doing a lot on his talent. Now he got to start doing some stuff on his intelligence. Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so to, to to work that in with the yeah. like the sixth tool. Yeah, yeah. You got to work it in. Right. You can't be panicking. You got to make adjustments, and sometimes adjustments might take three or four days. Well, a kid like Ronald Cooney, you think he got three or four days to be patient? Probably not. No. You gotta learn that, and he will. Oh, okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. If I know being patient for three or four days gonna get me back where I need to be for a long period of time, I'm gonna take that fight. Take the for three or four days to be fight to be patient. Yeah. For three or four days.
2: Yeah.
5: Cause now when I find it, I'm gonna keep it. He's searching right now, but he gotta slow down in his mind, and one day it'll pop. Right now his mind is rolling because he ain't used to being like this. Yeah. But he's human. Right. And he haven't lost his ability. He's still got all those dudes. He's in that learning mode. He's in that experience mode. Right. Cause everybody that ever stepped between those lines Experience. Yeah, experience. experience what exactly. he's going through. Yep. He's never been through it.
0: Gabe, next time I have a rough week at work, I'm just gonna go hang out with Ron Washington and have him tell me everything's gonna be okay.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Wash is a delight, man. He he's awesome. You talk about like just a true baseball person, and I mean everybody loves him. And it's easy to see how he you know it's it's so natural, and he's he's such a good teacher, and he he makes so many players better. You know, over the course of his career. Yeah, I mean he laid it out there uh, perfectly. Look, we know Acuna is a mega star talent. Uh, it's going to come. This has not been an easy year for him. Coming back from there, he's had a he's had a couple of you know lesser injuries too and I'm sure it's been frustrating these things pile up I'm sure he's pressed to some extent uh you know, I was kind of joking with people at the all-star game when he hit that double uh off McClanahan I was, well, maybe that'll you know wake him up and kind of get him going for the second half but he like Wash said he's just trying to find himself it's not really something I'm worried about although you know as you keep getting deeper into the season again we're close to the trade deadline here we're close to august we know what happened you know with the braves starting in august last year this is the most important time of year coming up you do want to see him uh start to find his form soon but uh i'm not panicked about him to this point i understand why kind of his season has been what it's been but you just kind of hold out hope that it's not a situation where this year just kind of becomes a throwaway for him and he has to reset next year so I mean at this point I still expect him to eventually find his form in the coming weeks and we know what happens when Ronald gets hot he can really just carry this offense and and this team has a pretty pretty tough August schedule I think they're going to play the Mets nine times too it's going to be a crucial month and for him to get going for that stretch uh, would be pivotal for them
0: Tim when a superstar goes into a funk like this how long before it becomes something you do worry about
4: well I think you You worry about it in the sense that if you're the manager and the coaching staff, um, maybe even teammates, you worry about it in the sense of uh, trying to help him in whatever way you can work through it and snap out of it and become the player that he truly is. So it's not like you just ignore it, I don't think. But if you're thinking in terms of worrying about it in the sense of sitting him down or something like that, other than maybe a a day to clear his mind out, of course, we just came off the All-Star break, you might do that but um talent like that i mean there's no choice but to just ride it out and know that at some point he's going to find whatever it is that's going wrong and um you just going to have a one big game and his confidence is going to surge and he's probably going to be the player that we've always known him to be and i don't i don't think there's any doubt about that it's just a matter of when it happens and kind of what triggers it but i do think that There'll come a game where, where he'll have a you know he'll have a big game, he'll hit a leadoff home run or he'll hit a couple home runs and and his his confidence will surge and he'll go on a tear now if that doesn't happen, it would be uh, you know short of there being an, another injury involved, I think that'd be a real big surprise because we still got over two months left in the season.
0: Now there's Ian Anderson who got knocked around again on Sunday.
4: Just searching a little bit. felt like I'd really turned the corner. Um, threw a great bullpen, um, so yeah, I was surprised with how today went. Kind of, I thought like, felt like I was gonna throw the ball great. Um, obviously, things happened and it didn't go my way. For me, I
1: just keep brightening You know, I've seen what he can do. I know what he can do. Um, you know, I got a lot of faith in him. But yeah, you know, th- those calls aren't
0: mine. That yes, snicker talking about uh, how long he can go with Anderson in the rotation. Gabe, how close is he to getting pulled?
2: I think it has to be pretty close. You know, Ian has been – he was so good when he came up. We know what he's done in the postseason. Just a remarkable job in the postseason. Uh, it has just not been there. You know, the hard hit percentage is way up. Walk percentage is up. Strikeout rate is down. His curveball is not getting it done for him. And when you're a two-pitch pitcher – I mean, we saw this, Oscar and Noah. It just makes it hard. And I think that he's at a point right now – where he would benefit from some time to just correct himself in triple a kyle muller has been pitching pretty well down there saw him a couple months ago got to talk with him he seemed like mentally he was in a really good place we don't know we've seen him struggle plenty it's not to say he's an upgrade over anderson or anything like that i just think that they're at the point with ian that it would probably benefit him to just take a break and reset uh this does happen from players uh, from time to time, it's okay. Uh, it's not the end of the world. We've seen Ian. Ian is at his best in the postseason, and you can always say that for him. Uh, he's just he's outstanding when the games matter the most, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But right now, he's got to prove that he deserves to be part of this thing in the postseason. So I think that would be the best course of action for him. To struggle like he did against that lineup today, and that's with getting Otani out, was really discouraging. So we'll see what they do. I know some fans are just some fans seem like they're writing Ian off or, you know, they just I'm not I'm not going that far. I just think that given the consistent struggles that he has had, he just he would benefit from just a small reset clear his mind, get some things worked out, and then we'll see him again, because I absolutely believe in him. He's been a huge part of this team's success the last couple of years. And again, I can't say enough about what he does when the games matter the most. So he certainly got the makeup and I, I think he can still get right.
3: When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart.
0: The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. Now, Kroger, Chef Junior, and the Braves are teaming up to make your experience at True's Park a little sweeter on Sunday, August 21st. With the purchase of a specialty package, you'll receive a Braves game ticket and access to make your own ice cream sundae. Also, all kids 14 and under who attend the Ice Cream Social will take home a Kroger Chef Junior apron, hat, and goodie bag. So visit Braves.com slash KCJ to purchase your Kroger Chef Junior ticket package today. Now, moving on to the two marquee events of last week and do want to kind of step back and look at the draft and the All-Star game. Gabe was there in Los Angeles with pretty much the entire Braves staff and most of the roster the Braves have six all-stars and really when you you step back and look at it it is very impressive that five of them were developed in Atlanta
2: yeah th- this is uh just this is a really high level organization duh they're defending world champs but their player development uh this is it's just really impressive you know you're you're standing there what I was thinking looking around You're seeing the Braves staff, you know, wearing the World Series rings. You're seeing this number of players here. And you look at some of these other lineups around baseball, too. And then you look at the lineup that the Braves have here. and It's a reminder that growing up, I was born in 1993. So growing up in Georgia, all you would hear about, you know, as you get older is the success of the Braves of the 90s and all this. I mean, we are in the middle of this really special era that's going to be remembered for a long time. For forever here and I, I just you know that's not lost on me when I'm able to stand there and you know cover this stuff and write about these guys because these are these are a lot a handful of special players of really special coaching staff too that doesn't really get talked about as much as I think it should uh, I think Wash gets some credit but Walt Weiss too Sal Fasano is just a excel, excellent excellent uh, catching coach relates very well with people and of course Snip. So there's just a handful of really unique, uh, you know, Hall of Fame caliber people. And then you have some, you know, Hall of Fame caliber talents uh, that we're talking about here. Uh, You know, even a guy like Acuna, we're talking about how bad he's struggling, but we know what he's capable of when he's on. We've watched Max Freed these last couple of years blossom into a true bona fide number one. And he's right there with Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Garrett Cole at this all you know, at this all star game. and. We've already talked about Austin Riley, but Travis Darno, the guy they didn't develop, uh, they really helped him too. He showed some promising signs with Tampa Bay uh, after he'd come back from surgery. And, you know, Sal started working with him. And uh, th- this team has really gotten – he's been so big for the pitchers from a game planning perspective and what they've been able to get out of him. So, and of course, Dansby, he's a guy that a lot of people thought was kind of just a disappointment. Uh, You know, last year he set the franchise record for uh, homers by a shortstop. This year, I mean, we know, we've talked about it. He's in line for a nice payday after this season, whether it's here or somewhere else. So there's just, these guys have done a good job. They're all really, they're all good people. Uh, They're all really hard workers. I know that stuff kind of sounds cliche, but it does matter. Uh, And Snit is the guy who's helped really develop an environment that's helped get the most out of all of the talent that this team has from the Acunas, the Swansons, the Freeds, this high level talent to guys like the Culbersons, the Matt Joyces, the Guillermo Heredia's, these type of journeymen, these types who come in here and can you know, help you plug a hole and you know, help out your bench. So uh, this is a really, really uh, memorable, uh, really iconic era of franchise history so I don't think this should be lost on anyone that's watching this team uh, Braves fans or anyone else this is a really good group of people and it's a really uh, just a really special era for this franchise
0: and we all know the impressive Brian Snitker story at this point but he was able to check off one more box managing the all-star team after Forty years of the Braves.
2: I mean, is this anything you ever really could have imagined?
1: I mean, even when you won the World Series, is it something you think about? Like, oh, I'll have this opportunity to. Um, you, you know, when I he thought he about it the first time was um, a couple of years ago in in Arlington when we were up three to one on the Dodgers, and I was like, I was like, you know what? If we if we get to the World Series, I can manage the All-Star Game in yeah. Atlanta. You know. Um, but no, I mean, I have thought about it. It didn't really kick. I I just I so busy during you know in the season and it, it uh, uh, didn't kind of really start settling into by Saturday last week so yeah you know, uh, but it's cool this is really neat and you have I mean you have such a unique story you didn't think you were gonna be a
2: major league manager there and you're a manager of the year you're a championship manager you're now manager of the NL is there any way that is it still all so I surreal know. does it feel
1: yeah it does it, I'm still I said I'll be pinching both arms now so yeah. they just one um, getting to do this. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day when we were here, and, and I was like, you know what, we're checking off a lot of really cool boxes here at the end, you know, um, and everything that we've been through in the game and all that. It, it's, um, it's really, you know, it's, it's pretty special here to be able to experience all this.
0: All right, so that's the Braves stars now. Were they able to add any more in this week's draft? Tim, you were on draft duty, and, and as, we, as we know, every other sport has instant grades, and those are fun and meaningless. And in baseball, it's truly pointless, but but still, what is the vibe that you got after what you saw at the Braves did to start this week?
4: I think the best word is probably intriguing. Their top few picks particularly, they were kind of uh, high upside, high risk type picks. Uh, the first three were high school pitchers which, you know, they, they're all really hard throwers. They um, have a really high ceiling, but, you know, with high school pitchers, there's also a ton of risk. And out of the three of them, if one of them makes it big, that'll be a hugely successful draft. Uh, but um, that's, that's going to be the key to the draft is how the three pitchers at the top turn out. And then they also drafted a pitcher, our college pitcher with their fourth pick, But the first three, um, first pick was Owen Murphy, a high schooler from Illinois, then J.R. Ritchie, high school guy from uh, Washington State. And the third pick, uh, Cole Phillips, another high school arm from Texas who um, underwent Tommy John surgery in April. So that's another thing to draft. There was Cole, and there was also a pick later in the seventh round uh, who hasn't had Tommy John yet, but the Braves expect that he's probably going to need Tommy John. He had an elbow injury that Held him to only three games this year at Oregon. Adam Myers, is his name. You know those high school pitchers are going, and and the two guys with the elbow issues. How they how they pan out over the next few years will tell the story of this draft. They also drafted a uh, pitcher. He was a closer at Auburn this year, Blake Burkhalter, who was drafted with the uh, Freddie Freeman compensation pick, and uh, he was an underslot signing, but uh, not not dramatically underslot, but um, somewhat. And um, they're, they're very high on, they're very high on him. They're going to look at him at least initially as a starter, but I think, you know, as minimal, minimally, they see him as a potential late inning high leverage reliever. And he's a guy unlike the high school pitchers who could come pretty fast, uh, but there's a lot of potential there. And those, those three uh, high school pitchers at the start, like I said, those are going to be really fascinating to watch. And uh, Braves VP of Scouting, Dana Brown, addressed the strategy
0: of going with those high schoolers early.
2: The common theme is if they can throw strikes and if they're really good athletes, they get to their ability. And uh, they can in, in many times could avoid injuries uh, because, um, you know, the deliveries are good. So we're excited. Both for power arms. Um, you know, Richie's been up to 98. Murphy's up to 96. And uh, as I said, strike throwing, strike throwing machines.
0: And the and the case with Murray was one of the, the stranger <laughs> first-day stories that I've seen because um, he was very confident that he was going to play both ways. And apparently Dana Brown had to get that across to him that that's not going to be the plan.
4: Yeah, that was uh, – uh, the way it worked that night, that was uh, last Sunday night, a week ago. And uh, uh, they had two picks um, fairly close together at the top of draft, number 20 and number 35. And um, they um, made um, Murphy available after those picks. And he said very excitedly, uh, I'm going to get a chance to play both ways. I'm not going to have to put the bat down. He uh, indicated there was an impression the Braves had ensured him that uh, starting out in the minor leagues, he could, uh, he could play somewhere in the field, somewhere around the infield. And uh, then about, oh, I don't know, several hours later, three hours later, maybe after the, after the first night was finished, Dana had a uh, had had his second zoom call the night and of course was asked about that and he said yeah we've been in touch with him and his agent and we've cleared that up and he understands that we drafted him as a pitcher and he's going to be exclusively a pitcher uh, so um, yeah I don't I don't know exactly how that miscommunication happened uh, the Braves seem to think that there were some other teams that uh, were talking to Murphy uh, about drafting him and maybe had Possibly confused what one team said with another team, uh, but the Braves uh, seem very clear that they that they expect him to you know only be a pitcher and they're not going to put any effort into um, into developing as a hitter. They saw him obviously they saw him as a first round pitching talent because that's where they drafted him. They saw him as possibly a fifth round type hitting prospect. So obviously you know they don't they don't see him as the next uh, Otani. Put it that way.
0: But Gabe, I I know this is a dumb question, but I know I'm also not the, the only person that has this. Why not try to find more Shohei Otanis in the in the low minor leagues and just see if it, see what happens? Well, you're
2: not going to <laughs> finding. There's a reason Otani is uh, so. I know it's you know, only been done for one
0: time in hundred years, but are more are more, yeah, are more yeah. teams are more teams thinking this way? Like, why not give it a shot? You know, I would not
2: have a problem with it. I mean, I think in Otani's case, gosh, we overuse the word generational. Everyone's a generational talent now. People keep saying that, and it's so overused. Otani actually is, okay? (laughs) Like, he's one (laughs) of the ones who actually is. Uh, And to be that great uh, in both areas uh, is obviously really just – it's preposterous, it's absurd, and it's nearly impossible to replicate. That said – that doesn't mean it's impossible to find someone who could perhaps provide some level of value doing both. Uh, to be Otani is quite the ask, but at the same time, you know it's interesting because people were asking Freddie Freeman about this last year at the All-Star Game, and I remember him saying that he hoped that Otani's success would open the door for more two-way players and for maybe for teams to give that more of a try. I know that Brendan McKay with the Rays, he's had some injuries. I know he did it. Uh, Louisville guy, uh, Jared Walsh, uh, who the Braves just saw with the Angels, he had pitched some, and now he's you know, purely a hitter. He was an All-Star hitter last year. This year, he hasn't found the same success. We know Rick Ankiel, and you know the back and forth. I think ultimately, I think there's some guys who maybe if they are developed in a way that and they have the opportunity, they could provide that. But it's just the way we do things, we really want people. We're even seeing this in lower levels where we don't necessarily want kids playing all sports. You know, you have to pick one. And we're just kind of you know, tunnel vision minded in some ways. So I think that it would be cool to see more guys get that opportunity. And a lot of them are going to find out they can't do it. And so there's going to be a large failure rate. And they're going to end up doing one or the other. But I do think that if, if we view this a different way, then there will be some guys who are maybe talented enough to to be worth the trouble of having somebody who could provide value on either side. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this these Otani years do affect that moving forward. Because some teams are just not going to feel comfortable about it. Because remember, some teams didn't want Otani doing it necessarily yep. when he was coming over here. I mean, that was a that was a pretty big debate too. So I'm curious to see what happens. I do hope that. Uh, more and more teams are open-minded and try it. There's no harm in just trying it out and seeing, because I, I think it would be cool if we had, again, I don't think you're going to find anyone who can do what Otani is doing, but for someone to maybe provide some value uh, both ways, that'd be pretty cool to see.
0: Tim, what's the final verdict on how the the trade, uh, the, we'll call it the Drew Waters trade, to get uh, a couple million dollars in slot money and another pick, how that was used and how that worked out?
4: You know, really, it. it turned out to be pretty simple. They got the thirty-five number 35 pick in that trade. They used that on J.R. Ritchie, the uh, high school pitcher from Washington State, velocity up to 98. They signed him for um, $2.4 million, which is about 200000 above the slot value of that pick. So it wasn't really, turned out, it really wasn't anything about using that particular amount of money that was associated with that pick to spread it around the draft. They used it on that pick. But, I mean, clearly the Braves had reached the point with Waters, who uh, they were once really high on, that they were ready to reset. You know, Waters, by the way, I just noticed today, is off to a really good start in AAA with the Royals. uh, So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's called up pretty soon.
0: We really do want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It obviously means you're a huge praise fan, but if you're not subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, well, you can't get everything that Justin writes. You can't get everything that Gabe writes and everything that Tim writes and everything that Mark Bradley writes and everything that Michael Cunningham writes. We do have a special offer for you, though. We call it our Season Pass, and it is half off our regular offer. So you get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just thirty nine ninety nine for the next eight months. That's 125 a week. If you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com seasonpass. That's subscribe.ajc.com seasonpass so you always know what's really going on. Looking ahead to what is next, Braves are on the way now to Philadelphia to take the take on the Phillies for three. Max Freed will start against Ranger Suarez on Monday. Then it's Spencer Strider against Aaron Nola on Tuesday. Charlie Morton will get Kyle Gibson on Wednesday. Then a weekend set back home against the D-backs. And Gabe, with the Mets facing the Yankees to start this week, is this the week the Braves finally get back in first place? I think so, actually.
2: I, I think I do think that this team is going to be, at least temporarily, in first place before August. I think they're right on the cusp. Uh, yeah, the Mets playing the Yankees—that's a big deal. And I, I think this is a good chance too for the Braves to, you know, beat the Phillies and you know, keep them kind of back because you don't want you know Philly to get hot and get you know make this a three-team race. I don't think that's going to happen. You never know. So yeah, I I do. I think that the Braves at least temporarily will take over. I know that's a cop out, but we'll take over (laughs) first place for a little while uh, before August.
0: All right, Justin's office is usually the Ask Justin segment. Uh, so unfortunately, our mailbag is a, is a little thin. I guess, because the people uh, people want to talk to Justin. So uh, we'll actually be able to do that on Tuesday. We're going to be hosting a special uh, Twitter Spaces live at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. So join uh, Justin for that. But uh, we do have one question from Yosemite Blam. Uh, Gabe, would you consider trading Ian and even Mike Soroka if I met a veteran starter in return?
2: Well, I think Soroka's a non-starter just because when you have a player who's torn their Achilles twice, the the value is not the there's not going to be trade value there and uh, it's just in the, you know, it kind of goes without saying I don't think he's a trade piece. I think the Braves are just hoping to get him back to full health so he can have a long career and you know hopefully that happens. Again, Soroka's a great guy. Everybody's rooting for him. In the case of Ian, again, Ian's a guy, too. His value's not going to be very high. I mean, I understand where people are coming from. Everybody wants uh, controllable pitching, and he's a guy who's proven himself in the postseason. There's a lot to like. I I don't think it makes any sense for the Braves to trade him, not only because his value's low, but because they know he's a guy who's had some really big starts for them. He's struggled this year. It's not been pretty. I understand all that. Again, the move right now is to – I think, let him reset and try to figure himself out. I, I don't think the move is shopping him, and quite frankly, with the way he's pitched, he's, he's not that appealing of a trade piece at the moment anyway.
0: Tim, one business question here. With the record-setting attendance that, that we're seeing for Truist Park, Brace had their, their highest attendance series yet against the Angels, on pace for $3 million. Does that extra windfall of cash – Give them a little more wheel room in the trade deadline.
4: Oh, I think definitely it, it should, and I think based on some of their recent decisions, it probably does. I mean, they uh, just—I mean, just this week they took on an extra 2.2 million in the draft. I mean, that's you know money they spent last year in uh, July. They added uh, 10 million dollars to the payroll um, over the course of the remainder of the season to rebuild the outfield, and that was largely because. Attendance had rebounded from the COVID shutdown in 2020 and the limited attendance in early last year. I think unquestionably, they are going to be in position to uh, add more to the payroll because of what's happening uh, in the stands and at the battery. The question to me is whether there are going to be deals like that available to them this year, you know, deals where teams are basically looking to dump remaining salary, on the guys that fit a Braves need. And that's obviously not going to be the case with an upgrade and starting pitching. I mean, it's much easier to get find a situation like that with outfielders. Um, Because I don't know, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're making a deal where you need high level prospects to complete the deal, the Braves might have a hard time doing that, putting that together versus whoever the other bidders are because uh, I mean, heck their farm system, I think was ranked 27th uh, uh, before Michael Harris was called up so it's probably lower than that now uh, so i don't know um uh you know i just don't know if um if they're in a situation of uh, of bidding for a starting pitcher against um uh, teams with better stocked farm system at the moment i mean there are great reasons of course that the brace farm system is diminished uh, the guys are on the big league roster and won a world series and they've been big parts in some trades recently uh matt olson deal particularly So I think – I don't think the money is really going to be an issue. I think the Braves will add to payroll. Uh, The question is whether they can make deals that match up talent-wise.
0: All right, before we go here, we always wrap things up with our Winners of the Week segment. So, Tim, we'll let you go first here. Who's your Winner of the Week?
4: You know, I think you could probably pick any of the guys who are the All-Star game, but even though we talked about it earlier, I'm going to go with Brian Snicker. I just think that uh, this week – given given his story that we've talked about of his career, getting the opportunity he got this this week to, uh, you know, heck, manage the National League All-Star team, do it in a great setting like L.A. was, do it with uh, six of his own guys on the team and his family there and his son coaching uh, on the American League staff. I mean, what what an incredible um, uh, thing that was. So I, I think uh, it'd be hard to top that this week.
2: Gabe? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go – Snit's a good choice. I'm going to go, you know, Austin Riley. He's uh, he's on fire right now, uh, firmly uh, beginning that MVP campaign, and he also played in his first All-Star game and picked up his first hit in the All-Star game. So, you know, congrats to him, all those guys. Uh, Dansby, too, obviously uh, it's pretty cool. He got to go, uh, go see Mallory in Mexico play, the United States women's national soccer team. A lot of flights for him. He was pretty worn out when he got there, but to be able to do that and then you know walk the red carpet with her, of course he looks like a movie star doing it. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was it was pretty good for all those guys. But uh, I'm going to go with Riley and and Dansby for sure.
0: The Braves' first round pick, Owen Murphy, had a 0.12 ERA his senior year in high school. through four no hitters. My winner of the week is the guy that got the one run. So congratulations to that guy. And the Braves, the Braves need to find out who he is and draft him. But no, 137 strikeouts in his senior year. So congratulations uh, to Owen Murphy, the Braves' first-round pick. And congratulations to this week's Braves Youth Baseball and Youth Softball Coaches of the Week, Daniel Griffin from Canton, who coaches the Blue Sox under-10 team in the Talkin' Baseball League, and Tony Maldonado of Tequila, who coaches softball for the Greater Buford Athletic Association. You can check out this week's nominees and cast your votes online at AJC.com slash Braves Coach of the Week, which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves. And your local Kroger store. So, Gabe, Tim, thanks for uh, stepping in for Justin this weekend. And we we'll look forward to another exciting week of Braves baseball and the trade deadline coming up. Thanks, yes, Jay. Yeah, enjoyed it as always. And a reminder that the Braves Report comes out every Monday. And please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. That helps us grow the show. And we will see you next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal. Constitution.